All right, hey, if you got your Bible with you this morning, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, if I didn't tell you that already. And we're going to continue today in our series, Asking for a Friend. We're digging into life's challenging questions because here's what I want to encourage you with is that God doesn't despise uh, people who ask questions. The Bible is filled with good and godly people who ask God questions. Moses said, who am I? David said, how long, God, will, will my enemies uh, rule over me? Uh, uh, when will you show up and, and on the scene of my life? Jesus even asked a difficult question. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God is not afraid of our questions if we bring them before him with a sincere heart. And here's the thing is God always has an answer. His word is filled with answers. And this is important because we don't do anyone favors if we pretend like we know it all and we, ha- and we don't have any questions. It doesn't give God the opportunity to engage in those areas where there might be uncertainty or a lack of clarity or maybe even doubt or fear or worry or anxiety. We don't do anyone any favors. We don't do anyone any favors if we shame or embarrass people who are willing to ask questions. And we don't do anyone any favors if we ignore or avoid the tough questions. When we do that, here's what it does. We fail. When we are unwilling to dig into the, to life's difficult questions, we fail to reproduce disciples who have a faith that can endure the adversity of life. And so we're gonna, we gotta be willing to say, God, there are some things we don't understand. There are some things that are hard to, to, to piece together, but we're gonna give ourselves permission to not necessarily fully understand, but we're still gonna believe and we're still gonna trust. But so we're bringing these questions. We're inviting you to submit your questions in this series. There's a card in the seat back in front of you. There's a digital option. You could text Rev City, the word Rev City, all one word, to the number 94000, 94,000. You can submit that digitally. Someone submitted it digitally, and they said, uh, the question they submitted is, how is this anonymous? Because surely you know who is submitting the questions. And if that was you, it really is anonymous, so I cannot respond to you. It really is anonymous. But if you're concerned about that, just write it on the card and disguise your handwriting, write with your left hand or whatever you want to do, you know, and drop that card in the boxes right there as you exit today. We can't get to every question. Obviously, there's already just been dozens and dozens of questions come in, but I'm taking them. I'm praying over them. I'm asking the Lord to to spotlight or highlight the ones that he wants to speak into. Today, we're going to touch on one that has been submitted by multiple people who have submitted questions for the series, and that is this, what is the rapture? Or various forms of that question, who will go in the rapture? Why is there a rapture? Will I go in the rapture? What if I'm caught in a sin during the rapture? All valid questions that I believe God's word has an answer for. And so today we're going to dig into God's word, not my opinion or my preference. There's actually one place where it is somewhat of an opinion that I'll bring, but I'm going to really do my best to support my opinion with the word of God and hopefully show you that. But there's some places in this where there's some controversial things or there's some places in this where throughout the body of Christ, there's maybe some, some just people that see it differently. And you know, that's fine. This is, uh, eschatology is the study of the end times, and I believe that it's not necessarily an essential doctrine that should cause us to break fellowship if we see it differently. The essential doctrines are the the lordship of Jesus, the virgin birth, the existence of the Holy Spirit, that God's word is infallible and and inerrant. Those are essential doctrines that would cause us to maybe say, you know, I'm not sure if we can exist in a fellowship of faith if we don't agree on those things. But this, if you see this differently even after this message, uh, we'll just, I'll just keep loving you and trying to convince you. <laughs> and, and so here, here, let's dig into what, what is the rapture. And I feel like through this uh, message, I'm going to be able to answer four questions, and that's this, what is the rapture? Why does God have a rapture as part of eschatology or the end times? Who will go in the rapture? And I'm even going to get into, without setting a date specifically, why I believe there's a pattern that's established in God's word that even points to when the rapture will 
occur. Okay, let's pray. Let's ask God to speak to us today. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your heart, God, to receive those, even who maybe are struggling or have a lack of clarity or doubt or ambiguity about a situation. You're not, you don't despise questions, Lord. You, you have an answer, Lord. Even doubt doesn't, faith is the answer for doubt, God. So we just thank you, Lord, that through this series, you desire to speak to us. You desire to reveal things to us. You desire to remind us of things, God. You desire to encourage us. And every situation, every area of life, every area of culture, every area of God's word where maybe we haven't fully understood or there's been confusion or controversy introduced, Lord, we are trusting you to bring about your answers, Lord. And more than anything, Lord, let us understand that you are the way and the truth and the life that inevitably every question of life in some way, some form, the answer is Jesus. And we receive that in faith today. We open our hearts to hear what you want to say to us today. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, all God's people said. Okay, so I want to start with this big picture outline of biblical chronology. And so so God existed before time, but then he created the universe and all that it contains, including um, man and woman. Sin entered in because Lucifer was a fallen angel that went and began to interfere and meddle in the lives of God's people which brought about the law, which was an imperfect solution, but Jesus became the perfect solution when he came and gave his life, lived a perfect life, gave his life on the cross, was, was, was uh, crucified, buried, and resurrected for the forgiveness, for the, for the propitiation, the Bible says, the payment is what that word means, for the sin of mankind. 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Pentecost came about, which was the birth of the New Testament church and the power of the Holy Spirit through Pentecost. And now we're living in the age of grace, which is the church age, which is this age in which anyone who will turn from their sin and call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ can and will be saved. So I personally believe that the next major or significant step in biblical chronology is the rapture of the church. And so I'm gonna present that the next step is the rapture of the church. And here's my personal belief as I study the scriptures is this, that the rapture of the church is what's next that will be followed by the rise of the Antichrist, a seven-year period of tribulation, then Jesus will return for the second coming of, of Christ which is different than the rapture, after those seven years of tribulation, the Bible's clear he'll rule and reign on earth for a thousand years, then a new heaven and a new earth will be established, which will be one, no longer separated because of the weight of sin and because of the fallen nature of the world. One heaven, one earth will be reunited with family to live in joy and peace in the presence of our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, forever and ever and ever. And that's where Revelation says there'll be no more sorrow, no more darkness, no more sin, no more, no more, no more crying, no more tears, none of those things, just the fullness of joy in the presence of Jesus. Come on, if that sounds like a good thing for all of eternity, say thank you, Jesus, for making a way for it to happen for me. So, so this is not, I want to encourage you with something right from the start. This is not a fearful message or a fear-invoking message. This is an encouraging message. In fact, I'll take you to a scripture that is very specifically speaking about the rapture that actually uses that word, that this should be encouraging, that this truth about the rapture of the church, that we should actually encourage one another with this truth. So number one, the first question I want to answer for us is what is the rapture? One of the clearest accounts that answers this is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where I asked you to turn today. And picking up in verse 13, it says this, brothers and sisters, speaking to you and I, 
We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. In other words, he's just saying, we want you to know if you've lost loved ones, if you've had people prematurely pass away, so I want you to know that there's a truth, there's a resurrection, there's a hope because of that resurrection that we have, we don't grieve. We grieve, but not as those in the world who do not have the awareness and the revelation living within them about the hope of this resurrection. And so he goes on, he says, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Who believes? Do you believe? Say Amen. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. I want you to mark that. There's a trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and our left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Look at your neighbor. If you're blessed to be sitting close to someone, say, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. The Lord's coming for you and I. The Lord's resurrecting those who have gone before us. We'll be reunited and we will be with Christ. This is not a fearful message. This is an encouraging message. So it says we'll be caught up together with Christ in the air. The Greek word here for caught up in the air is the Greek word harpazo. And it is this statement that means caught up together, gathered together. In the Latin Bible, that word harpazo is translated rapturo, which is where we get the word that's commonly used to describe this event called the rapture. So whether you use harpazo or whether you use rapture or whether you say the time when we are caught up together in the air with Jesus, it's all referring to the same event. So don't get tripped up on the language. That's what the rapture is referring to, but it comes from the Latin translation of that word that means to be caught up together or gathered together with Jesus. So here's another account. Again, we're answering the question, what is the rapture before we dig into why is there a rapture and who and when. And 1 Corinthians 15, verse 15 through 30, or 15 through 53 rather, says this, what I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So uh, this is about to describe what is the rapture, but it's also in a, in a roundabout way answering part of the reason, the question rather, why is there a rapture? Because our physical bodies, these physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. Verse 51, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. And it will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. That word right there for in a moment is the Greek word atamos. And it's where we get the word Adam, and it's talking about an indivisible, finite amount of time. It's the shortest amount of time you could ever imagine. It's the, it is, if the blink of an eye is a measurable amount of time, it's a fraction of that amount of time. It's going to be instantaneous. And it says, when the trumpet sounds reading on, those who have died will be raised to life forever, and we who are living will also be transformed, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. So listen, this is good news. For some of us, we're gonna get a new body and it's gonna be different. And it will be immune to ice cream. <laughs> I'm believing it in faith right now. 
But this is encouraging. This is, again, just speaking about the fact that the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and then those of us who remain, there will be a generation who experiences this in the fullness. There will be a generation that's alive on the earth that will be caught up in the air with those who have preceded us in death. But he's saying that this has to happen because these fleshly bodies, these fallen bodies, these mortal bodies cannot be the bodies that we endure with for all of us. Eternity, come on, that's a good promise, that's good news. Luke 17, again, I just wanted a lot, of, a lot of the Bible because I wanna point to God's word about this as we're trying to gather and garner just a deeper understanding about this, again, so that we can be encouraged, so that we could be encouraged, so that when things go wrong in this world, so that things are going off the rails, so that when things are un- unforeseen, unexpected, or painful in your life, you can be reminded that it is just temporal and there's a day that is coming when you'll be caught up with the Lord, one way or the other. If you pass away in Christ, you're gonna get to go first. If you're still alive on the earth when it happens, you're gonna join them in the air. And he says, be encouraged with these things. Well, the election didn't go our way. Well, be encouraged. The day of the Lord is one day nearer. Something, something doesn't go right in your life. Well, be encouraged because the day of the Lord, the day of our salvation, the day of being gathered together with him and reunited with those who have gone before us is one day closer. Come on, one more time. Just look at your neighbor and say, be encouraged. Be encouraged. He said, be encouraged and encourage one another with these things. So Luke 17, Jesus talking about this event. And here's what he says, verse 24, for the son of man in his day will be like lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things, be rejected by this generation. Now this is, this is key right here, verse 26. For just as it was in the days of Noah, so also it will be in the days of the son of man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. Verse 28, also very critical to understanding the timeline of some of these things. It says, it was in the same day, it was was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, did, did you catch that? The day Lot left Sodom, Fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. And he says, it will be just like this on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who was on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. No one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife? Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women grinding together grain. One will be taken and the other left. So it says one will be taken and the other left. So This is what you can be encouraged with. Jesus knows who belongs to him. And this is one of the key issues of life is making sure that you belong to Jesus. And it says one will be taken and the other left. The Greek word here is paralambano. And the context of this word is the context of marriage. Paralambano, the the, the context it's often used in is is if to be united together, to gather a bride to yourself and to be reunited with her and matrimony and unity and intimacy forever. In fact, let me read to you from John 14 where the same word, paralamano, again, he said one will be taken and the word there is really like united, gathered, longed for and gathered to one's self to be united in relationship. And and this is where uh, Jesus also used this Greek word, paralambano, John 14. And he said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to paralambano you to myself. 
That is where I am, there you may be also. So what, so we're talking about what is the rapture? It's an instantaneous event, a harpazo, where, which means to seize unto oneself, where Jesus paralambanos, which means to seek after and to gather to oneself. And again, the context is often marriage. And, 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 and so that is what the rapture is, is Jesus coming for his bride, for his people, for his church to instantaneously seize them, to gather them, and to, to, to bring us into a relationship with Christ forever and ever. So that's what the, what the Bible has to say about the rapture. Number two, I want to answer why is there a need for, for the rapture? Well, we just answer part of it, and number one is relationship. Relationship. And number two, I'll just give you the answers in advance and then we'll break it down a little bit. Number two is rescue. So those two words. Why a rapture? Relationship and rescue. Relationship and rescue. Relationship with Jesus for eternity, forever and ever and ever in an atmosphere where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. And rescue from what the Bible describes as the coming judgment that we oftentimes refer to as the tribulation. And here's, here's the place where there's, there's, there's definitely a group of people in the body of Christ that will see this differently than I do. But again, I'm gonna point to the Bible for why I just believe what I believe and then you can make up your own mind, all right? There are some people that believe that the, the rapture of the church is gonna happen post-tribulation. And some people believe mid-tribulation, but I believe real clearly that it's going to happen before the tribulation. Remember what it said? It said, as it was in the days of Noah and Lot. And that's gonna speak a little bit to the question of when the rapture will happen because in the days of Noah and in the days of Lot, there was rampant turning away from God and God's word and biblical morality. There was rampant uh, sexual sin and rebellion. And I know that's always existed in the world, but how many of you know and believe and see around in the culture around us, that's all the more increasing in the days that we live in. So he says, so remember, these are red letter words. This is Jesus saying, he's speaking about this event and he's saying, as it was in the days of Noah, and as it was in the days of Lot. And remember what it also says. It says that in the days of Noah and in the days of Lot, that people were buying and selling and trading. There was an economy. People were getting married. People were eating and drinking. In other words, it was business as usual, even if that usual included an increasing turning away or apostasy from God and rebellion against God. So, so some people believe it's gonna happen after the tribulation, but remember Jesus said as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot, and then he just described business as usual. Again, did you, did you, hear, did you catch that? Buying and selling and marrying and giving away in marriage and feasts and parties, people hanging out, people laughing, people enjoying life. Again, even if that doesn't include God in the midst of that life. Here's, here's what's true that the Bible says, Revelation chapter eight about the tribulation. In the tribulation, a third of the sea and the earth will be destroyed, a third of the ships the Bible says specifically, kind of an interesting detail that it gives us, will be wiped out in one event. Listen, you think you've experienced a, 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 a supply chain issues today? A third of the ships destroyed in one moment. And remember, he said, in the days of, as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot. Remember, he said people would be buying and selling and trading, just economy as usual. The sky, in the tribulation, the sky grows dark and a third of the earth becomes uninhabitable. A meteor called Wormwood, you can go read all this, Revelation chapter eight, go check it out. A, a, a meteor called Wormwood, and remember, this message that, that Jesus is unpacking for us is an encouraging message. And so I, I, I'm, I'm leading to somewhere here that's gonna be encouraging, and I, that's that you and I, and anyone who has called on the name of the Lord Jesus, I believe is not gonna have to go through this. A, third, a meteor called Wormwood strikes the earth, and the, and the water of the earth becomes undrinkable. Does that sound like business as usual to you? 
I don't know how many weddings, I don't know how many you know, uh, bougie weddings you'll be going to when all that's happening. It's probably gonna be more funerals and really it's just gonna be people just struggling to survive. And, and Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, well, can I tell you something? Not one raindrop hit Noah's head. And it said, as it was in the days of Lot. And did you know that the two angels who were sent to warn Lot of the judgment that was coming against Sodom and Gomorrah because of Sodom and Gomorrah's refusal to embrace the word of God in verse 22 of Genesis chapter 19, that angel said, Lot, you need to, he said, hurry, because we cannot lay a finger on Sodom and Gomorrah until you and your family have departed this place. And so Jesus is saying, as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of of law. And I'm just here to tell you that I believe that the same will be true for you and I, that the same way that God came and made a way to rescue Noah and his family from the pending judgment in the same way that God came and made a way to deliver Lot and his family. Of course, his wife looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt. And the message and the moral of that story is, come on, keep your eyes focused on Jesus and not on the things of the world. But I believe in the same way he will rescue his people from the judgment that is yet to come. Revelation 6, verse 15 through 17 kind of underlines the significance and the impact of this season, this seven-year period of tribulation when it says this, the kings of the earth, the princes, generals, the rich, the mighty, everyone else, both slave and free, listen to this, they hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called on the rocks and the mountains, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For in the great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? First Thessalonians 5, 9. So there we, we read about the wrath of the Lamb. And again, currently we are living in the age of grace, the invitation of the Lamb that anyone, no matter what your background, what you've done, what you've been through, what you're going through, or what you're up to, anyone who will today just simply call upon, turn from your sin and call upon and look upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for, who is the way and the truth and the life, will and shall be saved. But there's a day coming. And God, the Bible says that, that, that God is slow in this because he desires that all would be saved. He, he's giving, he's not slow, the Bible says, according to the way some people count it as impatient. He's being very patient with this timeline so that many, many, many people will have the opportunity to hear and to know and to receive salvation in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we just talked about the wrath of the Lamb. Watch what 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 says. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 9 and 10. And it says, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell us how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and here's where it really gets applicable, and to wait for his son from heaven who he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Who rescues us, so why a rapture? Because I believe that it's going to initiate eternal relationship for, for the body of Christ, and also because the heart of God, again, the same way he had the heart for Noah to rescue him and his family, and to preserve them and to keep them, not one drop of that rain hit Noah's head. In the same way that he desired, he said, in fact, those angels said, we cannot lay a finger on this place until you are out of here. And that's exactly what's going to happen on the rapture. He's going to harpazo us. He's going he's to paralambano us. He's going to receive us and gather us to himself 
for a wedding feast. And that's why it's so important that we have an urgency to preach the gospel and to receive the gospel because what we do with the gospel of Jesus Christ will determine where you spend those seven years. And those who are willing to say yes to Jesus Christ will spend it having a wedding feast of the Lamb. And those who, who refuse or reject the simple but powerful appeal to put their faith in Christ will experience seven years of tribulation and it's really gonna be like hell on earth. Come on, I know where I wanna be. Where do you wanna be? So, so who goes in the rapture? Luke 21, verse 36. And it says this. It says, watch therefore, red letters, Jesus talking, pray always. Look at your neighbor, just tell him pray always. Now, now what, what, what would we pray? That you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass. And catch this, and to stand before the Son of Man. So he says, pray that you will be counted worthy. Now here's what we know, and here's what I wanna encourage you with today is that Isaiah 64 verse six says this, that all of our righteousness, your translation might say our good deeds or our good religious works are like filthy rags. So who will be the ones who are counted worthy? Those who are known and who are called by the name of Jesus Christ. Because the only way that you and I can ever be found worthy to be in the presence of a holy God is if we recognize our sin and we turn from it and we say, Jesus, would you thank you for paying the price for the sin that we could never pay the price for? We can never get good enough. We can never do enough religious things. Those who are counted worthy, you are worthy not because of what you've done, not because you serve in the church, not because we do those things in response to the love of God and the forgiveness of God and the grace of God, but the only way that you can and will be counted worthy to escape these things and be found instead in the presence of God is through the shed blood of Jesus, through being sanctified and justified and purified through his blood. Aren't you glad that, what's, that it's true what Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, that it is by grace you have been saved. Look at your neighbor and tell him, it's by grace. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. Look at your neighbor, tell him, come on, say, quit trying to earn it. Quit trying to earn it. It's the gift of God. You can't earn a gift. It's not a result of works reading on so that no one may boast. Come on, you could be encouraged. And that's where we can maybe touch on one of the other questions that came in through this is what if I'm caught in a sin when the rapture occurs? And I, I think it may depend on what the sin is. If you're caught in that moment watching a football game and rooting for the team that Tom Brady is on, I, it, I don't know what God's gonna do with you. But did you catch that? It's not about our works lest anyone will boast. So if you can't be good enough, is it possible that maybe it's hard to not, be, not even be bad enough? I'm not talking about a life of rampant sin. I'm not talking about rebelling against God and cursing God and, and getting into a lifestyle of sin. I'm just telling you, if the rapture comes and you happen to be having a bad thought or watching an R-rated movie or something, I just think that if it's not about your works to begin with and you are sincerely, sincerely have placed your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the cross of Christ that forgave every sin you've ever committed, the ones that you're tempted with right now and the ones that you will do in the future because that struggle is real. I'm just telling you, I feel like that the, it says, be pray that you would be worthy. I think that the, the, the answer to who is going to go is anyone who is sincerely and authentically place their faith and put the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of their life. If you're grateful for that, come on, someone say amen. So, okay, so again, a complex issue, but what and, 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 and why 
and who and how I want to talk about when the rapture will be. And, and listen, I, I, I'm not going to set a date or a time, but I actually believe that there's a pattern that kind of points to something for us. And, and, and if I know the, what, what I've learned to know about the nature of God is that I think there's something significant to this. And, and that's this, that so far, every significant event having to do with Christ's work to redeem the world, the fallen world, and rescue us into a relationship of forgiveness and love and goodness has been perfectly associated with the Jewish calendar of feasts that God commanded the people of God to uphold. Passover perfectly occurred on, or the crucifixion of Christ, rather, is the better way to say it, perfectly occurred in unity with the celebration of the feast of Passover, which was the celebration of the way that, that, that God delivered the people of Israel from bondage in Egypt. Jesus's burial coincided with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Jesus's resurrection perfectly uh, occurred with the, the Feast of First Fruits. And 1 Corinthians 15, 20 even says it real specifically that Christ was indeed raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Pentecost happened 50 days later, which was the empowerment of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit for birthing the New Testament church that you and I are now a part of and billions of people have been impacted by and so those have been fulfilled, I believe. So there's, those are the, the four that have been fulfilled, there's seven of them and the three that are yet to be fulfilled are, I believe, are the, number one is the Feast of Trumpets, number two is the Atonement, the Feast of Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles and here's the thing is that the Feast of Trumpets is known as to be associated with the rapture and the resurrection. Do you remember what we read earlier, that Jesus will come with a loud shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the blast of a what? Trumpet. And so I, I believe that if God was so specific and particular to have these things all occur in the timeline of the celebration of these feasts, let me just say it this way, is it possible that he would have it occur in, in the chronological time frame associated with the celebration of these feasts. I think that it is. And here's the thing is, you know, Jesus said, in fact, let's just read this one more long stretch of scripture and then I wanna give you an opportunity to respond and, and, and do some business with God. But Matthew 25, verse one through 13 uh, says this, and Jesus is speaking in a parable and he says, then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps, went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps and the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. And when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. And at about midnight, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming, come out and meet him. And all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps and the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough oil for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready, look at your neighbor, say, be ready. Went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I do not know you. So you too, keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. 
So you say, well, Pastor T, Jesus right there is saying, you do not know the day or the hour. And here's the thing that is pretty simple, but I believe it's powerful, profound, and that's that the Feast of Trumpets is one of the feasts where there, it's a two-day feast. And so even if God was so specific and intentional to have these things having to do with Christ's work of redemption and reconciliation coincide with these feasts, even if he was going to keep that pattern and God could do anything he wants, he'd come back right now at the end of this message. But I believe there's something to this. And, but even if it was true, this, what Jesus said would also be true. You won't know the day or the hour because it's a two-day feast here's what I want to close with today is that the number one thing that I think we should draw from this message is a restoration of a, what really has been kind of a lost doctrine in the church, and that's the eager anticipation of that moment when Jesus returns for you and me. And that's what he's speaking of right here with the wise and the unwise bridesmaids. He's saying there were some that maybe initially believed or whatever, but they got busy and preoccupied. They quit living for, they quit looking for, and they quit longing for the wedding of the Lamb. And I, I wanna encourage you and I today to just, of all this, hopefully you've been encouraged by this. Hopefully there's some, maybe a deeper revelation or understanding that you have about something that's very powerful and very significant. And it's gonna be very awesome and very special for those who are known in Christ. But more than anything today, my heart is that we as a church and that you and I as men and women of God and disciples and Christ followers would just maybe re-up our commitment to be found amongst the wise bridesmaids that are living with expectation, who are not living in a way that, that is, is so casual and callous that we look up and we think, man, I started out with good intentions, but I've really drifted from really having Jesus not just be my savior, but my Lord of my life. Would you stand to your feet this morning? And I wanna give you the opportunity to respond personally to whatever degree you feel like you need to today, to maybe rededicate yourself to living with eager expectation, to living with hope that the Bible talks about, the hope that others do not have, but that you and I have because of the work of Jesus in our lives. And Lord, I just thank you. You can just maybe bow your head, close your eyes, just whatever, to get in a posture of just focus, not on those around you, but just focusing intently on the voice of God speaking to you. And just give you the opportunity to just maybe do a little self-evaluation, to be honest, to maybe ask yourself an honest question. If it happened today, am I ready? If it happened today, am I, am I, am I living in such a way where my lamp is trimmed and, and it's filled with oil and, and I am waiting with eager expectation. And if that's you, great, but in some way, somehow, maybe all, each of us can maybe think of some way or some step that we could take that maybe would cause us to maybe be a little bit more positioned and known as those wise bridesmaids. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you would just help us to be real with ourselves, be real with you. Lord, thank you that you really are long-suffering. You're very patient. You're, you're, you're giving everyone as much of an opportunity as possible to just to go all in for Jesus and to realize that this world and everything that it offers is, is just temporal. It's passing away. And Lord, for those of us who have maybe gotten caught up in those things or have maybe even made those, some of those things idols in our lives, Lord, today we just do what your word says to do. We just repent. And right where you are, maybe just repent before God. Just tell him, and that's really just saying, Lord, I'm sorry that I put other things in front of you or before you. 
And now, Lord, we, we just say, I'm going to lead us corporately, but I want to encourage you just to commit yourself to what it looks like in your personal life to live this out, to be living in eager expectation and anticipation of that day of the Lord. Lord, we just thank you for that, God. We thank you that you would grace us to do it, Lord. Again, it's not by our works. It's not about us trying to be better or do better. It's about us just going all in for you and, and, and trusting that you, the empowerment of your spirit is gonna cause us to begin to live differently and look differently and sound differently, God, because we're leaning upon you, because we're trusting on you, because we're abiding in you in a new way, in a deeper way. That's what that oil represents, is just abiding in the presence of God, in the word of God, in prayer and worship and, and in, in consecration before God. That's the life, Lord, that we wanna live from this day forward. And maybe just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed, and I'm gonna give people the opportunity to really specifically and uniquely respond to the free gift of salvation. And maybe you once knew God or loved God, served God, grew up in the church, you've drifted from God, and you're what the Bible describes as a prodigal son or daughter. Or maybe today you've never put your faith in Jesus. You've never said yes to Jesus. You've never received what we read about in Ephesians, the free gift of salvation. You can't earn it. You'll never deserve it. And if that's you today, you've maybe drifted away from God, gotten preoccupied with life, or you've never received what it feels like to have the full weight of sin and guilt and shame and condemnation that the, that the enemy tries to saddle us with because of the fact every one of us is sin that's you today or anywhere in between right now is your moment right here in this room and online I want to ask you lift your hand high towards heaven you're not responding to a preacher you're responding to your father and this is a, just a simple outward gesture of something that's about to happen powerfully and profoundly in your life and Lord we just thank you for these precious people who are saying yes who are coming home who are being made new born again like the Bible says washed clean we thank you that, Lord, in this moment, their names, according to the book of Revelation, are being written in the Lamb's book of life. We thank you that they're found in Christ. We thank you that now they're ready, God, to go. If that day happened right now, they're ready to go, Lord. And even before you've had a chance to start doing what, if, if, you're, if you're responding to Jesus, I know it's going to happen in your life. It's the opportunity to serve God and live for God and make a difference and tell others about Jesus. But even before you have the opportunity to do all those things, you remember what happened to that thief that was at the side of Jesus? He, he was hanging there in the midst of all his sin. He never had a chance to take communion, be baptized, or serve in the church. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's how powerful the work of the blood of Jesus is in your life. Just the simple outward profession of faith to say, I want Want Jesus to be my Lord and forgive me of my sins and you are ready for what was known as the rapture you're ready for that moment when he paralambanos us to himself as his bride and so Lord we just celebrate that today and here's what we're going to do to celebrate and commemorate it we're going to pray it with you those of you in this room that raise your hand those of you who, who raised your hands online we're going to pray this prayer with you with you we're going to quickly come alongside just show you there's a people there's a church there are brothers and sisters in Christ we want to live this out with you because it was just a moment ago that we were in the same place you were, far from God, and we came home, and he rescued us and restored us, and he's doing the same thing for you. And the second reason we do it is because it just reminds us, every week we do this, it just reminds us that everything God could ever do and build in our lives of faith, and come on, he's doing it. We're growing in our faith. It's all built on unmerited grace. And this, this de dedication, this declaration, rather, that we do every week, it reminds us of that. It keeps us anchored to that reality, lest none of us shall start to boast. So come on, let, let's pray it. Say it after me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a Savior, and I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price 
that I could never pay to make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. And I give you my life and I give you my trust. And because of Jesus, come on, say it loudly, I will never be the same. And then put your hands together with all of heaven. Come on, for those precious people, some amazing people who came home to Christ today. Man, hey, I hope you've been encouraged today. Come on, let's worship the Lord one more time together, and then we'll get you about today.